The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, January 21st, 2022. Coming up this hour. Tech weakness again this morning following yesterday's late day sell-off. Netflix shares plunge on subscriber disappointment. Bitcoin drops below $39,000. And J.P. Morgan Chase boosts Jamie Dimon's pay following a record year. New York Mayor Adams calls for better coordination between federal and local authorities in fighting crime. Plus, a high-stakes meeting between the U.S. and Russia in Geneva. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. Another home loss for the Knicks, beaten soundly by the Pelicans. The third round underway at the Australian Open. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by SEI. Crises emphasize character and partnership. One mission, one community. SEI. Go to SEIC.com slash IMS. And S&P futures, little changed on this Friday morning. It is 5.01 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures again, little change. Dow futures up 36 and NASDAQ futures down 67. Ten-year treasury up 4.30 seconds, yield 1.78%. Yield on the two-year, 1.01%. Nathan. Well, Karen, the late-day sell-off we saw on Wall Street yesterday spilled over to Asia overnight. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index fell close to 2% over the course of the week, notching up its worst week since November. During Friday's session, the tech sell-off from Wall Street flowed through into Asia, with Japan's Topics Index flirting with correction. TSMC and Samsung shares were dumped, weighing on the TIEX in Kospi, along with Alibaba in Hong Kong. Alibaba shares also hurt by a Financial Times report saying China's state broadcaster has implicated Jack Ma's ant group in a corruption scandal. Australian stock Stocks plunged to their lowest in seven months, while yields on the 10-year fell as much as nine basis points. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Juliet, thank you. We are seeing weakness in NASDAQ futures once again this morning after yesterday's plunge sent the tech-heavy index into a correction. We get the latest live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John, good morning. And Karen, after yesterday's 1.3% slide for the NASDAQ, the tech-heavy index is now down close to 12% since its November high adding to the correction that started this week. Investors have been fretting over higher interest rates from the Fed. And now add another concern. Company earnings have been shaky. Sarah Hunt of Alpine Woods Capital Investors says this is a time when stocks need to stand on fundamentals. Valuations are finally, after quite a long period of time, going to start to matter. And cash generation and balance sheets are going to be very important as we navigate what is no longer a very easy Fed policy going forward. The earnings reporting season so far has been uneven, highlighting the risk that it may fail to enliven animal spirits in the stock markets. And investors face a one-two punch of Fed rate hikes and the possible reduction of its 
$8.8 trillion balance sheet. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Radio. And John, one market veteran says this selling is not over. Jeremy Grantham's been calling market bubbles for decades. Now the co-founder of Boston-based GMO says the historic stock collapse he predicted a year ago is underway. Grantham says even intervention by the Fed can prevent an eventual plunge of almost 50%. This time trend is at most 2,500. And I would expect, even if the Federal Reserve tries to do the same, it will be hard to prevent the market from declining to that level. Jeremy Grantham made those comments at a Bloomberg Front Row interview. Well, Nathan, the prospect of higher interest rates has been putting stocks under pressure. Now the Fed is preparing for its next policy meeting next week. Economists surveyed by Bloomberg say the central bank will use it to signal a March rate hike, then a balance sheet unwind soon after. Most of the 45 economists polled said the Fed will telegraph a 25 basis point increase, though two of them are looking out for a surprise 50 basis point hike. Let's turn to corporate news, Karen, and a a big earnings surprise from Netflix. The stock is down 22% in early trading. It's after the streaming service said it expects to add just 2.5 million subscribers this quarter. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet reports that is well short of Wall Street estimates. It suggests the streaming giant is entering a new phase of slower growth in 2022. Netflix signed up 8.2 million customers in the fourth quarter of 2021, beating Wall Street estimates but leading to the slowest annual growth since 2015. The company says signups have not reaccelerated to pre-COVID levels, blaming a tough economy as well as lingering fallout from the pandemic. In addition, Netflix says its biggest shows of the current quarter don't come out until March. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Charlie, thank you. Well, another stock darling during the lockdown era is also taking a hit. Peloton lost almost a quarter of its value yesterday after a CNBC report said that the company is temporarily halting production of its bikes and treadmills. The stock hit an all-time high last January at $166 a share. It's trading around $26 in pre-market. And, Karen, Bitcoin's moving lower as well this morning. In fact, it's trading at its lowest level in more than five months. Bitcoin hit a high of almost $69,000 in November. This morning, it's around 39000 On Wall Street, Nathan, J.P. Morgan Chase is coming off its most profitable year on record. As a result, it's rewarding CEO Jamie Dimon. And we get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Regulatory filings show that Jamie Dimon got a 10% pay raise to $34.5 million for his work last year. J.P. Morgan earned $48.3 billion in 2021. Now, the move is the latest sign that after compensation pressures emerged last year from the junior ranks up through the banking in trading hierarchy, banks are now paying their most senior leaders more as well. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. And Renita, Jamie Dimon's counterpart at Bank of America says his bank expects growth in loan balances in the single digits this year. Brian Moynihan says it depends on the trajectory of the U.S. economy. Will rates go up? Yes. Four times this year is a prediction. The reality is, does that help our earnings? Yes. But the real reality is, is that's to bring the economy, you know, to take the inflation out of the system and if they get it right. Because the economy is growing very fast and inflation is growing very fast, as that slows down, we should get back to normal economy. Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg's David Weston. Right now, S&P futures are down four points. Dow futures are up 33. NASDAQ futures down 57 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 630 seconds. The yield 1.78%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. Very cold this morning. Just 15 degrees in Central Park. We've got an accident investigation already southbound Route 1 by Route 18 in Edison. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York City Mayor Eric Adams called for better coordination between federal and local authorities to fight urban crime. Mayor Adams has faced high-profile violent crimes in New York during his first weeks in office. Adams says law enforcement agencies should coordinate against gun violence the way they did against terrorism after the September 11th attacks. That same coordination that stopped planes from flying in our buildings must be used to stop bullets from carving highways of death in our country, particularly in black and brown and poorer communities. Mayor Adams spoke at the National Conference of Mayors in Washington yesterday. Secretary of State Antony Blinken will meet Russia's foreign minister in Geneva today on Ukraine. Yesterday, President Joe Biden said Russia will pay a heavy price if any of its forces move across the border into Ukraine. It will be met with severe and coordinated economic response that I've discussed in detail with our allies, as well as laid out very clearly for President Putin. President Biden earlier suggested Western allies might struggle to react to a small-scale attack. The largest anti-abortion rally in the U.S. will take place today in Washington. The March for Life begins as the Supreme Court appears likely in the coming months to rule on states imposing tighter restrictions on abortion. The court is considering a Mississippi case and could overturn the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling. A jury of 18 people who appeared mostly white was picked for the federal trial of three Minneapolis police officers charged in George Floyd's killing. The judge told potential jurors, 12 and 6 alternates, the case has absolutely nothing to do with race. The court declined to provide demographic information. Michael Lee Aday, better known as Meatloaf, has died. The singer was known for hits including Bat Out of Hell and this one, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Meatloaf was 74. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. So long, Meatloaf. Thanks, Michael. 509 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update now. Good morning, John Stashauer. All right, good morning, Nathan. Just a nightmare of a week for the Knicks. They had won five straight home games. We're at the Garden for three games in four days, all against beatable teams. They lost all three. New Orleans led all the way, pulled away third quarter, outscoring the Knicks 35-15. to The final a little more respectable, but a 102-91 to loss. The Knicks coach is Tom Thibodeau. We played hard, but we didn't play you know, with the toughness that we needed to in terms of the being able to fight through things. So, like I always say, being mentally tough when you face adversity is not going our way. Just keep battling. You know, your hustle can get you back into the game, and oftentimes that's what changes things. Rare occurrence when Mitchell Robinson was the Knicks' leading scorer. He and R.J. Barrett both with 17 points. Clearly a big reason the Knicks not where they were last year. The play of Julius Randle. Last night, Randle scored only four points, shot one for nine. Warriors lost overtime to Indiana. Another win for league-leading Phoenix in Dallas. The Suns are 35-9. and nine. Nets in San Antonio tonight. Rangers visit Carolina. Top two teams in the Metropolitan Division. Australian Open, Rafael Nadal just now starting his third-round match. American Riley Opelka lost four sets to the Canadian Denis Shapovalov. Matteo Berrettini came from two sets down to win. Naomi Osaka is right now in the third set of her match. 
Yankees will not be making any trips to Montreal. The Tampa Bay Rays, who always struggle to attract fans, made a proposal to play their half their home games north of the border. MLB rejected the idea. The Rays' lease in Tampa runs through 2027. They could be on the move after that. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. Right now, S&P futures are down five points. Dow futures are higher right now, modestly so, up 25 points. NASDAQ futures still on the decline after heading into correction territory. Now, NASDAQ futures are lower by almost 58 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 630 seconds. The yield 1.78%. Patrick Palfrey of Credit Suisse joins us next on the Outlook for Markets. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny but cold today. Highs only in the low 20s. Upper 20s tomorrow under partly mostly sunny skies. More clouds move in Sunday. Highs in the low 30s. Right now, 15 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are mixed this morning. European shares are falling, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures, little change this morning. Dow futures up 51. NASDAQ futures down 38. The DAX in Germany is down 1.4%. The 10-year Treasury up 4.30 seconds, yield 1.78%. Yield on the two-year, 1.02%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.8% on $1.55 at $84 a barrel. COMEX gold is down Four tenths percent or eight dollars at eighteen thirty six ninety an ounce. The euro one point one three four one against the dollar. British pound one point three five six nine. The yen's at one thirteen point nine three. Bitcoin this morning also lower at thirty eight thousand nine hundred dollars. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Rock superstar Meatloaf has died. He's been known for such hits as Bat Out of Hell and Paradise by the Dashboard Light. A family statement provided by his longtime agent says the singer born Marvin Lee Day died last night. Meatloaf was 74. The U.S. plans to raise the federal employee minimum wage to $15 an hour. That's according to a report from Axios. In the NBA, the Knicks and Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Bruins beat the Capitals 4-3. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg. Daybreak. We want to turn right back to this market action this morning. Patrick Palfrey is with us, senior equity strategist and co-head of quantitative research over at Credit Suisse. Patrick, it's great to have you back with us on Bloomberg Daybreak as we're watching sort of a stabilization now in futures contracts, though the Nasdaq is still moving lower after the uh, move into a correction now for the tech heavy index. Where is this going from here? Does this sell off have further to go? And in terms of what we're seeing for the NASDAQ, I think we're going to continue to see a little bit of pressure for technology stocks and for high PE stocks, and those stocks are primarily found in the NASDAQ. But I think there's plenty of areas of the market where the backdrop remains quite healthy, and there I'm talking about cyclical groups, uh, energy, materials, industrials, and financials, areas where you have valuation support and the growth prospects still remain quite strong. So I think it's going to be a bifurcation in performance for the for the next several months, given that backdrop. 
Of course, you probably heard the comments by now from Jeremy Grantham over at GMO saying that we're in a super bubble and not even the Fed can stop what he sees as a near 50% plunge for the S&P. What's your reaction to that? Well, we, we don't really see the data the same way. And I think what it comes down to is how you look at valuations for the benchmark. And I think a lot of investors are really focused on valuations. Valuations look expensive when you put into consideration you have a lot of very expensive companies in certain portions of the market. And that's where a lot of the concern is. When you take a step back and you look with a more broad brush, the fundamentals remain quite strong. We have a GDP that's going to grow double its long-term average. We have a backdrop with inflation, which is pricing power to companies. That's a benefit. And we have an inflation uh, and we have an interest rate backdrop that remains very low, which is providing little alternative for investors to move into equities. So I don't necessarily see it broadly as problematic, but there are certain portions that it, that it will be an issue. Though there is a lot of concern, I think, in the market about what the Fed's going to do, what it could signal at its meeting coming up next week. A lot of uh, speculation that we could see a first rate hike as soon as March. What's your view on what the Fed could uh, come out with at its January meeting? I think ultimately what we're looking for is the pace of which they're going to begin to raise rates. And putting that in the context of the current yield curve, I think at the end of the day, that's our main focus because we want to make sure that the Fed has the ability to move and to ultimately stem inflation. And, but we don't want to see them actually push rates too high where it curtails financial conditions and pushes into a recession. So they have a delicate balancing act ahead of us. Putting it in the context of the yield curve is really what we're focused on in kind of judging their comments and how fast that they're willing to move. Well, what's your view on where the yield curve could go from here? Well, ultimately, I expect the yield curve to continue to flatten. And it's really just a function of the fact that the Fed is going to begin raising rates. It's not problematic, although many often view it as a recessionary signal. Um, I, I think ultimately what it just depends on is how they can, you know, really balance, um, you know, calming inflation, but yet at the same time allowing the economy to continue to run. And a lot of the factors which are driving inflation right now, such as labor, we have an incredibly tight labor market, and the fact that interest rates are really low, which is driving housing, some of those are going to be difficult for them to contain. Credit Suisse is one of the most bullish firms on Wall Street, Patrick. What would it take for you and your team to change your mind on the the, uh, bullish outlook for stocks? Ultimately, what is leading us to be as bullish as we are is how positive the underlying backdrop is. That includes real economic growth, like I said earlier, growing double the long-term average, and the fact that inflation um, is, is a benefit to a lot of companies. You know, should inflation remain high and that begins to erode demand, so we see real economic estimates begin to slide, that would cause us uh, a level of concern, and I think it would be problematic. And then I think the second area where we would see an issue is if is if interest rates actually, um, you know, materially fall from here. And, and it's not an issue that we see that's on the table at the moment, but it would signal an unhealthy backdrop, and I think that would be somewhat problematic for stocks. In our last minute here, Patrick, I think you mentioned uh, move toward more cyclical stocks as a, as a strategy. What are some surprise moves that uh, your, that investors could make to, uh, to weather the, the outlook going forward? 
Well, I, I think right now we have a um, somewhat of a commodity boom that's taking place in, in light of just the robust demand that we're seeing in the backdrop. So I think uh, energy prices, I think a lot of materials prices, I think we have a lot of upside left in those areas, and I think that is underpinning the success that we're seeing in those companies, driving pricing power, and really helping gain operational leverage for a lot of these companies, something that wasn't there three and five years ago, and I think oftentimes left those sectors for debt. Really appreciate this, Patrick. Thanks again for coming on with us early. That's Patrick Palfrey, Senior Equity Strategist, Co-Head of Quantitative Research over at Credit Suisse. And right now, S&P Futures are little changed to the upside. Dow Futures up 55 points. NASDAQ Futures still lower. They're down by almost 35 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 430 seconds. The yield 1.78%. And the yield on the two-year right now, 1.02%. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130, cold weather, partly sunny today, highs only in the low 20s. We'll be in the upper 20s by tomorrow. Sunday, more clouds than sun, a high in the low 30s. Right now, 15 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We're seeing more tech weakness following yesterday's late-day sell-off. We get the very latest live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Karen, the NASDAQ correction that started this week has gotten worse. After yesterday's slide, the tech-heavy index now down close to 12% since its November high. And the list of investor concerns is growing. Markets face a one-two punch of Fed rate hikes and the possible reduction of its $8.8 trillion balance sheet. And earnings season so far has been uneven, highlighting the risk that may fail to do the heavy lifting for stocks when the Federal Reserve ends its stimulus. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Radio. And John adding weakness to the tech sector this morning is Netflix. The shares are down 21% this morning on disappointing subscriber growth. We get more from Bloomberg Intelligence tech and media analyst Gita Ranganathan. The street was kind of looking more at a first quarter additions of about 6.2, 6.3 million, which would kind of then set the tone for the whole of 2022. We're looking more at like a two, two and a half million, which, which really now kind of, I, I think, uh, adds to a lot of uh, nervousness amongst investors. Gita Ranganathan of Bloomberg Intelligence says the subscriber forecast will result in Netflix's slowest start to a new year in at least a decade. Well, Nathan, Bitcoin is also lower today. In fact, it's trading at its lowest level in more than five months. Bitcoin hit a high of almost 69000 in November. This morning, it's at $39,000. And on Wall Street, Karen, J.P. Morgan Chase is coming off its most profitable year on record. And as a result, the bank is rewarding CEO Jamie Dimon. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Renita? Nathan, regulatory filings show that Jamie Dimon got a 10% pay raise to $34.5 million for his work last year. J.P. Morgan earned $48.3 billion in 2021. And the move is the latest in a sign that after compensation pressures emerged last year from the junior ranks up through the banking and trading hierarchy, banks are now paying their most senior leaders more as well. 
Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. And China is quietly urging banks to increase lending after a slow start to the year. Bloomberg News has learned that the People's Bank of China has given so-called window guidance to large state-owned lenders and regional banks. It urged them to extend more credit to companies and households. S&P futures, little change this morning. Dow futures up 47, NASDAQ futures down 40, 10-year Treasury up 5.30 seconds, yield 1.78%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street, just 15 degrees, 1-5 in Central Park. We're still dealing with the accident investigation in Edison. It's on southbound Route 1 at Route 18. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr is back with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is scheduled to sit down in a high-stakes meeting with his Russian counterpart in Geneva. Right now, Moscow is still insisting Ukraine will not be admitted into NATO. President Biden said yesterday Russia will pay a heavy price if they invade Ukraine. One military official, General Robert Abrams, says a major conflict could result in a level of violence Europe hasn't seen since World War II. The sheer destruction of infrastructure, homes, cities, loss of life, both military and civilian, as well as displaced civilians, will directly impact not only Ukraine and Russia, but economically will certainly affect Europe General Robert Abrams was a former commander of U.S. forces in Korea. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is calling for better coordination between federal and local authorities to fight urban crime. Adams says law enforcement agencies should coordinate against gun violence the way they did against terrorism after the September 11th attacks. That same coordination that stopped planes from flying in our buildings must be used to stop bullets from carving highways of death in our country, particularly in black and brown and poorer communities. Mayor Adams spoke at the National Conference of Mayors in Washington yesterday. Singer Meatloaf has died at age 74. He was known for hits like Bat Out of Hell. Meatloaf, whose real name was Marvin Lee Day, sold over 100 million albums worldwide. Abortion opponents are gathering today in Washington for the largest anti-abortion rally in the U.S. The March for Life arrives as the Supreme Court will decide in the coming months on whether to let states impose tighter restrictions on abortion. Members say that they are not finished fighting for abortion restrictions, even if the court's conservative majority rules in their favor later this year. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thank you. And it's now 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashow. Thanks, Nathan. Not surprisingly, plenty of booze at the Garden. Knicks for the third time in four days lost at home to a team you figured they could be. This time, New Orleans. Knicks again fell behind early. And then the Pelicans really put the game away, winning the third quarter 35-15. to The final was 102-91. to What has happened to Julius Randle, the NBA's most improved player last season? Second team All-NBA. He got a big contract. Not playing anywhere near that level. Randall last night, four points. He shot one for nine. 
Among those advancing to the fourth round of the Australian Open, Miomir Kecmanovic, who was supposed to play fellow Serb Novak Djokovic in the first round. Djokovic, of course, was sent home. 2014, Kevin Ali coached UConn of the National Championship. He was fired four years later, and the school said it was for NCAA violations, so they didn't owe him what was left on his contract. Ali sued. An arbitrator agreed UConn now owes Ali $11 million. The MLB lockout continues. The two sides have had one brief bargaining session last month. Players quickly dismissed an owner's proposal. The union now set to make a counter offer next week. If there's no deal soon, they will likely make official that spring training will not begin on time. NFL playoffs resume tomorrow, starting with Cincinnati coming off its first postseason win in 31 years. Now at Tennessee, the Titans get star running back Derrick Henry back from a broken foot. 49ers off the upset win in Dallas. Now go to Green Bay tomorrow night. Might snow. It'll definitely be cold. Sunday, Rams and Bucks in Tampa. Matthew Stafford just got his first playoff win. Tom Brady is 35th. The weekend wraps up with Buffalo at Kansas City. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg's fourth, Nathan. And, John, we have breaking news from the Australian Open. Defending champion Naomi Osaka has lost in the third round to Amanda Anasimova. 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. A talent war means higher starting pay for some New York lawyers. Milbank increased starting associate salaries to $215,000 amid a hyper-competitive market. That bump adds $10,000 to the salary for first-year associates that Milbank announced last summer. Greenwich home listings plunged to a record low in the fourth quarter. That put the brakes in a buying frenzy in the posh Connecticut town. There were just 167 single-family houses available at the end of the quarter. That was down nearly 65% from before the pandemic and the fewest in data going back eight years. Well, the Gateway Commuter Rail Tunnel Project in New York and New Jersey is receiving a priority boost that makes it eligible for federal funding. The Federal Transit Administration is raising the project to medium-high from medium-low. The rating needs to be at least medium to qualify for money. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, Ed, thank you. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Mortgage rates climbing for a fourth consecutive week, highest since the start of the pandemic. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the slump in UK consumer confidence and December retail sales. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting Michigan plans to become carbon neutral by 2050. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. The walls are closing in on U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson. His critics, including fellow Tories, are furious over the Partygate scandal involving lockdown-defying gatherings held at 10 Downing Street. If Conservative members of Parliament were to trigger a leadership contest, Johnson could very well lose. The Prime Minister is playing for time, apparently hoping that passions will cool. But the political environment has shifted since Johnson's election victory in 2019, and not to his advantage. Brexit's promised benefits are invisible, and its mounting burdens impossible to ignore. The pandemic is once more threatening to overwhelm the National Health Service. Energy costs are surging, tax increases are on the horizon, and the labor opposition is no longer led by a socialist. 
Strange things happen in politics, especially British politics. But if Johnson prevails against these forces, it will be a miracle. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPI and go. Right now, S&P futures are little changed. Dow futures up 63 points. NASDAQ futures down 42. Netflix shares down 21%. Analysis of the earnings next with Tuna Amobi of CFRA. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, low 20s for highs today. We'll be in the upper 20s tomorrow. Clouds roll in Sunday with highs by then in the low 30s. Currently, just 15 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are mixed while European stocks are falling as investors assess shaky company earnings and the prospect of higher U.S. borrowing costs. NASDAQ futures are underperforming after the tech-heavy gauge entered a correction yesterday. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures, little change. Dow futures up 62. NASDAQ futures down 41. The DAX in Germany's down 1.3%. The 10-year Treasury up 4.30 seconds, yield 1.79%. The yield on the two-year, 1.02%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.6% at $1.35 at $84.19 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 4 tenths percent or $8.20 at $18.36.70 an ounce. The euro, 1.1337 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3569. The yen is at 113.90. Bitcoin this morning is at $38,900. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov began security talks today. It comes after President Joe Biden warned Russia would pay a heavy price for any intervention in Ukraine. Lavrov says Russia is grateful to the U.S. for participating in the security talks and expects to receive a response to its security demands. The U.S. plans to raise the federal employee minimum wage to $15 an hour. That's according to a report from Axios. Meatloaf, born as Marvin Lee a day, has died. The singer known for such hits as Ben Out of Hell was 74. Breaking news out of the Australian Open, defending champion Naomi Osaka has been knocked out of the women's third round. In the NBA, the Knicks and Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Bruins beat the Capitals 4-3. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barb. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And when you want to talk about shaky earnings so far, take a look at Netflix. The shares of the streaming giant are down 21% in the pre-market. The streaming giant reported a slowdown in subscriber growth in the fourth quarter, and it says it is likely to continue at least into the early part of this year. Let's bring in Tuna Amobi for more on this, tech media and telecom analyst at CFRA. Tuna, good morning. Not so good for Netflix, though, with that guidance for just 2.5 million new subscribers in the current quarter, really seeming to spook investors. Does it have you rethinking the stock? A lot of analysts are starting to downgrade now. 
Good morning, Nathan, and it's always great to be with you. Um, absolutely. I think the, um, the guidance for Q1, as you alluded to, uh, kind of uh, spooked, spooked us as well, right? Um, but we did maintain our target price. Um, sorry, we did maintain our buy recommendation and then uh, reduced our target price um, to 525. I think what this report has done, Nathan, is that it calls into question, um, you know, the, uh, the, the pace of growth, whether that might be sustainable. Um, you know, we were, we came into the last quarter actually with relatively tempered expectations, uh, but no one, uh, you know, was anticipating that the, uh, Q1 guidance was going to be as low as 2.5 million, which was at least uh, 4 million lower than our expectations. Uh, with that being said, uh, you wouldn't know the way the shares are trading, that they actually beat Q4 on the top and bottom line, uh, even though the subscriber numbers, um, 8.3 million came in uh, a touch below the guidance of 8.5 million last quarter. Um, at this point, um, it's pretty clear to us that the uh, the next 100 million uh, subscriber addition is going to be incrementally harder than um, than the last 200 that Netflix has added globally. Uh, you know, granted that we still think that there's a lot of uh, low-hanging fruit in many international markets um, across uh, EMEA and also Asia Pacific uh, that we think that uh, there's a lot of room for, for growth. Uh, but what investors are doing right now is to somewhat recalibrate um, you know, the expectation and, and begin to perhaps question the secular growth thesis as to whether this huge premium valuation is warranted. But, you know, right now we're still kind of watching. Uh, we think that there's still some elements of COVID overhang, as the company uh, alluded to. It's been extremely volatile to for forecast subscriber prediction to predict subscriber growth coming out of the COVID, and this is something we expect to uh, to be a common theme as other uh, streaming platforms report their results. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the outlook for the streaming uh, industry more broadly. Are those tempered expectations for subscriber growth something that you're expecting uh, across the the competitive space? Uh, certainly, there's uh, you know evidence to show that the the, the next uh, leg of the growth is not going to be as robust, and that's why you see a lot of the shares of the major uh, companies that own streaming platforms also down in sympathy uh, with Netflix. Um, you know, with that being said, I think the, the one uh, positive takeaway from Netflix results should not be lost that the U.S. and Canada numbers were actually way better than expected. I think there's been uh, questions around whether the domestic market uh, is, is saturated, uh, but, but I think this report answered that um, and kind of helped to ease those concerns. The, the other question is whether the price increases that they've just announced in U.S. and Canada, uh, how much that perhaps factored into their, their guidance. We think that um, you know, given the huge content investments Netflix has made, uh, they still have a fair amount of pricing power left. So we would not rush to conclude that, um, you know, that there's any uh, questions of uh, audience retention or churn uh, because uh, most of the shows that they've reported viewing hours are significantly up. And there is no, um, no doubt that there is still tremendous appetite out there for, uh, for streaming content. Only about a minute left here, Tuna, but you know Netflix has been spending a lot on content, putting out the sort of blockbuster movies and TV shows as well. Can they continue to spend that much on the product that they put out for consumers? They, they almost have to, uh, especially with uh, streaming wars now set to further escalate this year. 
Um, we have them spending north of uh, $20 billion uh, this year as well, after almost $17 billion last year. Uh, so this is really the name of the game. You know, with, with all the uh, you know, deep-pocketed competitors out there, it's almost uh, imperative that you have to spend and give consumers a reason to keep coming back. And that's why you think they've been able to sustain uh, the viewership growth that they have. Content is going to always be the number one uh, ingredient in terms of uh, um, being a formidable competitor. Uh, so this is not a game for the faint of heart, Nathan. Yeah, a lot of competition, not just in streaming, but maybe even in movie theaters as well as a lot of consumers, moviegoers think about at least getting back into those uh, cinema seats. Tuna Amobi, analyst at CFRA with us this morning on those Netflix earnings and taking a look at the shares in the pre-market, Karen, again, they are down now 21 and a half percent. All right, Nathan, thank you. Well, staying with earnings, fourth quarter results from the major Wall Street banks are in the books, and Bank of America is coming off an end to the year that beat most expectations. Still, it has not been completely smooth sailing for Chief Executive Brian Moynihan. He says compensation is the biggest expense for the bank, and we caught up with Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan in a conversation with Bloomberg's David Weston. Let's listen in now. It's a tale of many cities in the sense that there are some businesses which uh, you know, have not as much leverage in them as they call it. So therefore, they, you know, their compensation structure maintains constantly. There's some there's bonuses. Overall, we, we have about 30 odd billion, 32, 33 billion dollars in compensation and related expenses, benefits, compensation, bonuses, et cetera, for our team of our 59 billion expenses. So it is the biggest expense by a lot. And so the only way to really do you know, to manage that is actually how many people you have going through it. Um, you have to be competitive. You have to pay people. We don't want people want to work for less next year. Brian, as we look forward in 2022, we're looking at something we haven't seen in a good long time, and that is the tightening of monetary policy rather than the loosening of monetary policy. Give us a sense of what you're looking at. And just to be specific, as you make projections at Bank of America, how many rate hikes do you expect out of the Fed in 2022? There are two parts to that. One of our research team led by, led by Candace Browning Platt, and the team is terrific, and they have four rate hikes in next year. Uh, but internally, we, we model our future income off the curve. We don't fool ourselves and let anybody make a projection. But look, inflation is here. The economy, you know, is going to grow at 6.42. So think six last, six and 21, four and 22 and two, get them to the 2% growth rate in, in, in 23. And think of it this year as making that adjustment. That is based on the tightening, first the fiscal comment, fiscal, uh, stimulus, you have stopped last year, and now the uh, monetary stimulus is being pulled out because the economy is as big as it was, growing faster, unemployment's below four. You know, the conditions are right to go ahead and, and actually reduce the accommodation with one big caveat. Does this virus go in some direction that caused some damage that people don't understand? And the good news is, you know, we're winning the war on the virus, the vaccines, and everything you know about. So, but remember, the key is that 642. The economy is slowing down, and part of that is the engineering that goes on to bring it into a more of a sustainable growth rate because it was growing faster than it usually grows. And so will rates go up? Yes. Four times this year is a prediction. The reality is, does that help our earnings? Yes. But the real reality is, is that's to bring the economy, you know, to take the inflation out of the system, and if they get it right, because the economy is growing very fast and inflation is growing very fast. As that slows down, we should get back to normal economy. 
And that was Bank of America Chief Executive Brian Moynihan speaking with Bloomberg's David West. And you can catch their full interview online at Bloomberg.com. Again, futures this morning, S&P futures are little changed. Dow futures up 53 and NASDAQ futures lower down 54. The 10-year Treasury up 4.30 seconds, yield 1.79%. And the yield on the two-year, 1.02%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.